Oh, my stars, Steve. My stars and stripes. We have some exciting news. Shall we tell them? We should reveal that Shinwag is hitting the road again and going on a West Coast tour. Yes, that's right. If you missed us in your fair city, truly, friends, don't fret, don't fear, don't have a panic attack. (laughs) Do not panic. We will be recording live Chinwags in May in Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle. Yes, in L.A. we'll be at Dynasty Typewriter on May 14th. You can go to chinwagpod.fm slash Los Angeles for tickets. And on May 16th, we're going to be in Portland at Revolution Hall. For those tickets, go to chinwag.fm slash Portland. And we'll be at Town Hall, the great town hall in Seattle on May 17th. For tickets to that, go to chinwagpod.fm slash Seattle. You do not want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be mighty, mighty. So get your tickets at chinwagpod.fm, and we will see you there. Come on out, waggers. Come out, waggers. Come out. (laughs) Come out of hiding. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Chinwag podcast. Welcome. I am Paul Giamatti. And I am Stephen Asma. Well done. And uh, we're here loving life, loving (laughs) chinwagging, loving it all. Uh, this is a special. This is a special occasion for us on the Chinwag. Yeah, a little, uh, little is, something different. This is really. This is nice. Uh, we're going to be addressing some of your questions and comments because we've been getting them, and they're outstanding. I yeah, gotta say, we have a smart audience. Yeah, we really we're, do. We're, we're bringing up interesting ideas, interesting questions. Uh, we're and we're going to dig into some of these momentarily. Uh, but as always. Speaking yeah, you, of questions and comments and, and all kinds of things, please go to any of these platforms that we're available on. Where are we, Steve? We're, we're, on, the, uh, uh, we're on YouTube with great animations. We're that's on right. TikTok. We're on Instagram. Correct. And of course, Apple Podcasts is where you want to subscribe. Correct. Give us the five stars. You can, you know, give, the the, you can give the ratings. You can leave the reviews. You can leave comments and questions there. You could also email us at questions at chinwagpod.fm. You can just bombard us with... Deep thoughts and Deep thoughts. esoteric musings, and we'll see what we can do about it. We will, we will address them. Yeah, we it's really enjoy exciting. reading them. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool, actually. It feels feels like a real feels like a real show. It feels like an yeah. old time radio. And we're thing. getting some community happening, and that's really yeah, fun. it's nice. And uh, to to kick us off, I think Steve, you you have one that you're going to read us. Yes, uh, and and take it away. I'm going to read a letter from Stephen, who is in St. Louis. Very interesting letter. He says, uh, hello, Paul and Stephen. And now a question that perhaps you would consider exploring. 
Uh, he's strikingly polite, I think, and that's uh, that, that's <laughs> yeah. a kind of. <laughs> it's true. It's not like, hey, dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. No, it's very nice. I like that. So he says, uh, "Do watershed moments in history exist?" Stephen King premised his entire novel, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, on the idea that JFK being assassinated was, in fact, a watershed moment. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I both have read that it's novel. Great book. It's quite good. It's a really Excellent good book. book. It's, a, it's a top Stephen King novel. Yeah. Yeah, guy, guy who goes back in time to try to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so he continues, he says, a lot of people in modern time would consider 9-11 to qualify, you know, mm-hmm. as a watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor obviously would make this list. Paul spent a lot of time understanding and portraying John Adams. Do you think Adams knew, did he know that he what he had done? Mm-hmm. And, and then our, our uh, listener says, I don't think Adams and company knew what their achievements meant at the time. So he goes on, he says, here's a couple other scenarios that perhaps would qualify Until the Titanic sank, humanity's faith in technology to harness incredible power was unwavering. Mm -hmm. Since that moment, technology has always gotten a sideways look from some cross-section of civilization. Is that watershed? And uh, what if it had not sunk? Let's go forward two years later to June 1914. You can go back in time and you can tell Gavrilo Princip that if he goes ahead with what he's planning to do, humanity will fight nonstop war for more than a century with varying intensity, and it will cost hundreds of millions of lives, if not billions of lives. So if killing Franz Ferdinand is a watershed moment, what happens if you convince Gavrilo that he sh- he doesn't do it? He's the guy who assassinated the Archduke Ferdinand, which arguably starts the First World War, was the exactly. idea, right? Yeah. And then uh, he says, uh, <clears throat> my opinion is watershed moments don't exist, which is kind of interesting because I thought yeah, it would go totally the other right. way I was gonna, Yeah, no, no, no. This <laughs> yeah. is what's cool about this. And he says, when you look at the context that surrounds a catalyst event, this is, of course, bi- biased in hindsight, uh, you usually see some pretty clear lines that the outcome that happened was definitely possible and in some matters inevitable. We had to know that Japan was going to respond in some way when we cut them off from oil and other resources leading to Pearl Harbor. We knew after the WTC bombing in 1993 that it was a target. Mm. Maybe 9-11 was specifically difficult to imagine, but another attack on the WTC shouldn't have been. And that, to me, doesn't make it a watershed moment. Watershed moments have to be closer to come-out-of-nowhere events that promote instant and massive change. Interesting. And that's his, uh, his question. So he's saying that he doesn't believe that these that events that seem to sort of change the course of history are necessarily that's necessarily the case uh that yeah. that you can sort of things are some things are inevitable and that it's more the things that are surprising that actually change the course of history Am I, you think I'm getting yeah, right he's, here? He's got, he's got a sort of a quirky definition of what a watershed moment is because mm-hmm. he sort of says, well, I don't think it's there are watershed moments because you can isolate causal pathways right. that led up to 9-11, let's say. Yeah. But I don't think that negates the fact that it's a watershed moment because I think it's what happens after Mm-hmm. That makes it a watershed moment. Yeah, and I mean, and arguably everything you could do that right. with it, couldn't you? Couldn't you then just find the roots of everything uh, that leads up to any event, really? Like, right. arguably, right? I mean, that in some ways you can't isolate. Yeah, that that if that's his argument, everything could sort of be explained that way. No, 
I, I do mean, think what, history what qualifies is kind of, as something that comes out of nowhere then. Right. Because right. it's like- It would be like a miracle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> miracle. Like, well, which, you know, I suppose like the birth of Christ or the Buddha or something like that yeah. maybe is something that you go, well, that's watershed because that's this kind of like, wow, what the fuck? Which is interesting because that's, that's a kind of whole movement that starts. That's interesting because I yeah, that just occurred. It's like to me. A, a weird, a miracle like kickstarts some feature of history. So if you're religious, you think that's what happened. If you're yeah. an atheist, you're like, well, that that doesn't happen. That's not here's, real. Here's something that interests me about this question, though that 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 it raises a whole thing to me, and it's gonna get. I'm gonna get a little esoteric here or something, but it, you it's, always do. Well, no, no, but it's <laughs> but it's something I've been thinking about a lot because of you know the the times we've been living in for a little while now. You hear an awful lot of like, this is we're watching history be made. Oh yeah, we're 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 on the wrong or right side of history. That's true. This is an historic event. This person is is a figure of his great historical significance. And I gotta say, what started happening recently, and and, and, it, and this it, this raises a lot of it for me. I start going, we all sit around and really confidently talk about history, like we know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is it exactly? What is history? Because yeah. and this this question he's asking raises it for me. I'm like watershed event, but what is yeah. it anyway? Like, and I know that sounds really vague in general. I'd love to talk to a historian and be like, but what is it actually you're doing? Yeah, like is it a? It's this narrative of the facts. It's this kind of speculative interpretation of the facts to what end? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's also like, is it this moral thing where you're like, it's we have to look at history and it'll tell us what's right and what's wrong? It seems yeah. like a lot of people think it's that, but I'm also, I'm just constantly, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, totally, well, what absolutely. the fuck is it actually? Well, like, well, it's just a story? It's a made up story? It's an interpreted story? You know, it's like- I think it is. It's always, pol it's always sort of, politically, morally motivated by the right. time you were living in. So like you tell a different story depending on what facts you're picking out and how you're yeah. sticking them together. So yeah. it's about now is what it's it, really oftentimes about. Oftentimes it is, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time it's about now, which is weird to me because I'm like, how can you really know what the fuck is going on now? And so you're trying to use then to sort of understand so now, of now and yeah. now to understand then, but yes. it actually seems to be a fucking fool's errand in some ways. I, and I it's think, weird. I think you get somewhere by doing this, but you're not where you think you are. And it's, we over, like, we should be skeptical about history. Like right now there's yeah. a big debate. Like is the New York Times has this whole movement that's called the 1619 Project. And it's like, America starts with slavery. And then there's Which, sort of a, a counter tradition saying, no, it's 1776 is yeah, when America yeah. starts. Well, that was the traditional narrative. It's a right. new narrative now about right. the 16, which arguably you're like, well, that makes sense. It's like, you know, right. it all makes, yeah. But, but it's, it's sort but of it's about all, now too. Yeah, and it is about now. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's really, complicated. And here's the thing that when I read this, when I first read this question, and then I saw what he was saying about how he doesn't believe there's watershed moments, is that I don't believe there are because I don't think we can possibly know what's the really, what was the really significant thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's like, you look back in the history and it's like, yeah, I remember reading about the Romans and you're like, these mass slaughters of yeah. people happened in the, you know, they killed 6,000 Christians. And you're like, but nobody remembers this shit. Yes, and nobody, that's right. And here's, and here's what makes me think of it. 
So you go, the Kennedy assassination, that's a watershed moment. It's got to be because everything changed after that. I'm like, well, we've decided that that was like the really watershed thing. Will that be what people think in 500 years? Or will it be for all around in 500 years? Because here's the thing. One of the only things I've ever written for myself to perform was I and see when I lived in Seattle and I worked in theater a lot. There was a theater I worked at, and this guy had an idea that we were going to do this just to get a show going in this theater because we needed to put something up. He was like, "We're going to do a thing where everybody's going to pick an assassin from history, and you're going to write a little monologue about it. We'll put him together. We'll make a play." It's a cool assignment. Yeah, it was cool. And so everybody was people were picking different people, and I was thinking. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do something interesting. And I picked this guy, Charles Julius Guiteau. Never heard of him. <laughs> he assassinated President Garfield. Oh. And I, and one of the reasons I picked it was I was like, nobody knows who the fuck nobody this guy is. Case. And he assassinated the president of the United <laughs> States. And actually, the thing I wrote was about, hey, I assassinated the president <laughs> of the United States. Why <laughs> the fuck me. doesn't anybody remember <laughs> me? And and you'd say to yourself, why isn't that significant? Yeah. Nobody even remembers Garfield. Nobody remembers he was shot. Nobody remembers this lunatic who shot him. That's There's amazing. significant things that come off of it. But part of the reason I did it was I was like, didn't that change history? Yeah. But why the fuck doesn't anybody look at it and go, oh boy, because he killed the president of the United States. Yeah, that's what right. if he hadn't done it? What if he had? So it, it's the thing that makes me suspicious of this idea of like, we know what, what is meaningful. We that's know right. what's really going to matter. And it's like, well, but you, we you, don't. You mentioned, you know, the Romans and not, you know, last year I read, uh, you know, Edward Gibbons, the the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. You know, yeah, everybody knows who Julius Caesar is and you've heard of yeah. Augustus, but yeah. then there's like 10 fucking emperors you've never of heard them. of, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, and many you've more you've of. never yeah. heard of. Many more you've never heard which of. Which then and makes then, you think like, well, maybe there are more significant people than other people. You know what well, I mean? Well, okay. So yeah. Is it that some of them have better like marketing campaign? <laughs> like is Augustus just have a better no, marketing campaign? No, you do. Campaign? You wonder. Yeah. And is at some point, is, are people going to look back and go, you know, that Millard Fillmore was actually the greatest president that we ever had in this country. That's right, yeah. You know what I mean? Is somebody yeah. going to go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> actually, if Millard Fillmore hadn't done blah, 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 we would not we be here right now. Yeah, we would we not have got have a man the- on the moon. <laughs> You know what I mean? And well, that's like, the, uh, what about like the butterfly effect? We know this in bit, physics. A little bit, that thing. Why isn't it the case that like little things happen across, you know, on the other side of the world and they have these crazy ramifications where it's yeah. just like, what if Hitler had been accepted and praised in art school? <laughs> like, yeah. would you have not had the Holocaust? No, and, it's, and it's crazy. And that's a tiny to, thing. Totally. And it's a crazy thing to me to think that like someday... Well, this is interesting. Someday Pearl Harbor will just be like, well, that was just this little attack yes. on that place, that we'll on that country it. that doesn't yes. exist anymore, you know? And it's like, or it will be, I mean, far in the future, it will just be another thing, yes. loss of time. But I do think maybe stuff is made more significant by the fact that there's so much photographic record of it now. True. That maybe that actually makes stuff last, maybe stuff will last longer. I don't know. Or Except will it? now in the era of like fakes and AI, yeah. we'll no longer trust imagery or even like, I don't think we're going to celebrate images in the same way or photographs in a in hundred years from now. I, I, I'm just guessing. But I, I do think he, one of the th- other things that it, this question raises for me is this sort of debate between, does, is history made by like 
the sort of great men theory of history. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like by yeah. Thomas Carlyle. Do they drive the history of, along? Like yeah. a significant person drives yeah. history along. Or is it a, or are the Marxists, right, that it's uh, these systems or institutions or class struggle? It's not right. the individual. They don't matter. What's right. your take on that? What's your, solve that for me. <laughs> no, that's a really interesting, that's a tough one. And it's like, I, I of course, going to be like, it's some kind of combination of the two. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I think actually I might fall more, not because I'm a Marxist or anything, but it's like, but uh, but that, into the into the idea that it's more these kind of big movements of things mm, that actually are more significant in some way that like big so you do go like yeah the american revolution i suppose is really significant because you create this unprecedented democracy but but then in the scheme of time, who knows? Yeah, that's I right. I mean, someday they'll look back and just be like, well, I was that weird little country for a while that like, <laughs> that's you know, right. that ruled the planet for like 200 years and like, what the fuck was up with that? You know what I mean? And it's like, who knows? But that's a different question. That's kind of a different idea. Like, but look at COVID. Like COVID seems like the most relevant watershed moment for us, but people didn't even remember the flu pandemic of the, you know, the early But 1900s. I would posit that- well, but again, that's right. There's there's this there's history which seems to be this narrative that takes these things into account. And then there seems to be what actually fucking happens. Yeah. And you're like, so in some ways, I say to myself, the the black death, the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages fucking wiped everybody out and and then probably got did actually. So in some ways, I look at stuff like that. And I think that's maybe the closest thing to my mind to what watershed moments watershed are going to be. Yeah. So maybe it is like Christ is born, the bubonic plague, these huge things. Yeah, or that technological to, advances. Or technological things. The microchip. The book, yeah, the, the, book, book. the microchip. Yeah. Like technology, <clears throat> science, things like religion. Like those things to me just seem to be the things I would maybe call watershed moments. Yeah. More so than the discrete events that are, you know, Lincoln was assassinated or something. I think I'm, you know I think I mean? I'm with you on that. I, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. They're, they're, these events are not nothing, no. but uh, we do fetishize certain events and yeah. turn them into something that, yeah. that probably isn't as important yeah. as like yeah. some little technological widget or something. You know? Yeah. The book, the printing press, you know, yeah. or something like that. That's a really interesting question. Before we leave this topic, it, I just, because when I talk about Charles Julius Guiteau and I think about it just reminds me of a guy that I have to talk about, <laughs> that I have to talk about because it, it makes me think of this guy. And speaking of like the characters of history, it's a guy that nobody talks about named Boston Corbett. And I just have to get this guy out here on the chinwag because he's such a fucking wacky character. He is the guy who killed John Wilkes Booth. Oh. And nobody knows about this guy. And I'm like, somebody's got to fucking make I mean, I guess yeah. it wouldn't make the most interesting movie in the world after I tell you about this guy. <laughs> but it's like, but it's fascinating to me that he was a Union sharpshooter. He was in the Union Army. And they said, don't kill Booth, I think, oh, when they did surrounded they? The instructions? him. And he was like, Meh. and he was, <laughs> and he was nuts. Well, he was, was a he? psychopath. Yeah. And he was this- Not the hero I was imagining. Religious nut. He was this religious lunatic, self-castrated. No. He was a crazy man. And he what? killed John Wilkes Booth and he became this national hero. Oh my so I God. I love stuff like this. And he became a big fucking deal. That's like so, taxi driver yes, for the 19th yes, century. Yes, he was crazy. And you look at pictures of this guy and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and it's so like, and there's some pictures of him and you're like, oh my God. But here's what's interesting. At, at that time, when you became like a famous person like this, you had you would go on the lecture circuit. 
A little uh, bit like talk show kind of thing, but you like they take you around, and that was at the Chautauqua yeah. Circuit, I think they oh, called yeah, yeah. it. And it was like they take you around the country, yeah, like Mark Twain or these famous people, and you'd go and you'd go to a little town, and they'd go to the local fucking whatever. If there was a little theater or something, you'd go in there, a lecture hall, and you'd give a talk. It was a disaster with this guy because he was bananas. <laughs> so they would take him in these places and he would get in screaming matches with the people, <laughs> spitting at people, throwing shit, ranting about crazy religious shit. It was a disaster, total disaster. And then the guy, they did that ends and the guy ditches and he goes out and he lives in a, in a dugout house in like South Dakota. He goes out in like homesteads. Fantastic. And then he disappears. Really? Nobody knows what happened to Boston Corbett. Oh my God! And it's there like, should be a movie on this. You got to make a great, movie of this guy. But it's that. But and again, this is a different thing than what Stephen in St. Louis was talking about. But it's like That's it's all right. that weird, like <laughs> you know, why weird? Like what the fuck of history? Somebody very That's important, like, yeah, kind, not a hero by no. any stretch, and then no. disappears from history. Disappears. Yeah, fascinating. Like, nobody even knows what happened to him. Anyway, it's a, a good. It's a Should good we, place to bring that, that question. It, it, yes, it is. That's a really cool question because it's like <laughs> cool. I wish I could. I wish I knew a historian to talk to to say, you know, what 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 do you guys do? What is it you guys do? And now a message from our sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. And we're back. Shall I read the, the next one? Yes, let's All do right, some so, let's do some fairies. Yes, moving on to our next letter. This one is from Annie from Belfast. I'm assuming it's Belfast, Northern Ireland. All the way from Belfast. And she writes, Hello, hi Stephen, Paul. A weird and wonderful topic that may be of interest to you is the Irish fairy thorn tree, real name Hawthorn Tree. These trees can be found all over Ireland and are reputedly home to the little people or Irish fairies. Ireland, I tried to give a little Irish the wee folk. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Annie, to do that. Ireland is becoming a more progressive and secular place now that the Catholic Church is losing its power. We have marriage equality and abortion rights. Amazing. However, you would find it very difficult to find anyone in Ireland who would be willing to mess with the fairies, i.e. <laughs> cut down a fairy, a fairy thorn tree. Roads are diverted around these trees. I didn't know they did this in Ireland. It's and amazing. builders refuse to cut them down for fear of what the little people might do. Those who cut down these trees reportedly at risk of very bad luck. <clears throat> you might find it interesting to research this for sure. I'm fascinated by the superstitions that are still kept in countries that otherwise seem like quite sensible nations. It's a great question. It is a really, it's a cool, it's a really cool. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I knew that they still actually, I know that in Iceland, they still do that. I do they that really? In, yeah, that in Iceland, there's a whole thing that diverted a highway because it was like a troll 
There was like a troll fairy <laughs> ring or something Excellent. like that. <clears throat> but I didn't. I didn't realize the Irish were still were still doing that kind. Yeah, of Yeah, these thing. are places where the literacy is very high, and yeah. there's technology, and the economies yeah. are good, and. I, I mean, I want to talk about this too because I've lived a lot in the developing world, and there, there's a lot of this, but people aren't as surprised by it there. Uh huh. Interesting. Like in, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I'm always like, there just isn't. It really isn't like. Is it like a fairy tradition in America? Really? I mean, do we did we bring that? Did they did that stuff get brought over here? Did like the Celtic people came here? Cultures but it really. But we don't have like leprechauns and stuff. I suppose well, the indigenous go. Do we? Do people believe in seen leprechauns? Seen the Notre here? Dame, uh, Notre Dame fighting okay, Irish. That's a, that's, a, that's a different. That's interesting. That's it. But but we cartoon up everything. Like we do fucking breakfast cereals and shit. I suppose that there are. I suppose that there are indigenous uh, things like that. There those yeah Native American stuff. There those mysterious sure. mounds. There's all those weird yeah, Indian burial mounds. mounds. The, the burial mounds, Native American burial mounds, and stuff like that. Strange things like that. And there's oh yeah, there's weird um, and amulets. Yeah, there's stuff like that. Totems. But there isn't really that same kind of thing here. We're not a we're a nation. I, that I wonder in if theory, Americans in theory we got rid of all that stuff. We're not superstitious. Yeah, and, we just think JFK is still alive. <laughs> Right, right. All yeah. our superstition has gone to these couple of like uh, sort of pet projects, but we turn some of this superstition into a joke as a way, I think, of maybe distancing ourselves from it yeah. a little bit, yeah. you know? But then we're still very, like, mm. I'm a very educated science, you know, person, but I wear an amulet to, as a way of helping protect my son. That's really? pretty fucking weird, yeah. Yeah, like, no, but it I'm just sense. betting on the possibility that it could help. Yeah. yeah, and in some ways, it almost is like those are like a replacement for fairy faith, or superstitions, or something like that. You know what I mean? They're kind yeah. of like belief system that there's little, little weird, little the little people are e yeah. the evil little people are at work in the world are in the deep state. They're yeah, exactly. they're like working yeah. in the yeah because the fairies were part of the the pagan tradition before Christianity arrived in Ireland and Scotland. Mm -hmm. Then Christianity takes it over and says, yeah, the fairies we're cool with that. That's part you know the the priests can see them. It's no big deal. Maybe they're mm -hmm. angels. And then yeah, maybe the secular state then gives a new interpretation of it, mm -hmm. which is that there's people behind the scenes working the state that you can never catch yeah. them. They're always yeah. hidden. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They're off there doing their their crazy little stuff. There's a really, I will just say that I, there's a really cool book that I read once. Um, I read parts of it. I didn't read the whole book. And I, it's it's called The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. We should have like a reading list sometime. Yeah, really. I mean, whether or not. And it's a cool book because a guy went around the Scotland, Ireland, England in the early 20th century gathering all these accounts because he was like, this stuff's going to disappear. Gathering oh, yeah. these accounts of people who, and it wasn't just, it was people who had, I mean, some people talking about traditional stories, but some people who had had encounters with some of these um, aliens. Uh, aliens. I just said aliens because I was, what I was <laughs> going to say was they encounters with fairies that sound like aliens now when you look at it. Like crazy looking beings that are like, that, that sound like aliens now. That you would, we would look back at it now and say, this is all people seeing aliens. That, really that, cool. You're right. That's the new version of fairies. I think yeah. you're right. It's the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. There's a yeah. funny story that Sir Walter Scott tells of like, he's telling a story that was reported to him, which was a guy was That Walter crossing. Scott, that Sir Walter Scott was a, was a gas. <laughs> he was a, <laughs> a riot. <laughs> Just buckle up, people, for a Walter Scott story. 
Yes. <laughs> so he's looking across a field and he sees the wee folk, some little people. And he goes, he like runs off and tells everybody. And then they discover later that a local carnival had left their puppets uh, drying oh, out. Oh, really? Like, that's hilarious. That's amazing. Oh, that's a bummer. There are some traditions that are cool that people I know, like there's a whole like black dog thing in England that people see these oh. spectral black dogs and it's a is bad right? sign and stuff like that. And But I do, this is an interesting one I was just talking about that like it's a really deep, the deep fear of black cats is still yes. so interesting to me that it's like people still... And that a lot and, of the and you cats have a black cat. I do, and in fact, I actually think black cats tend to exhibit a really great personalities. It's a generalization, but I do think, but that a lot of people don't adopt black cats. Interesting, because if like because there is some They're superstitious fear. Yeah, it's kind of incredible that that still exists. That that in this day and age, people and can they, still and you be see afraid. people like uh, and you also see like sports figures engage in tremendous supernatural like just kind of crazy superstitious behaviors mm -hmm. like I've yeah. got to eat a chicken breast and then right. I've got to hold my right arm or you know what I mean <laughs> right. right well at the theater the the, the in well, the, yeah, theater the theater world it's filled with crazy Actors, superstitions right? yeah it's filled with crazy superstitions you can't say Macbeth. I'm not in a theater, so I can do it. It's like you have to say the Scottish play, which always kind of drives me crazy. It's filled with super. You can't whistle backstage. Oh, really? And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I whistle. I whistle. I did a play once. This is a funny story. I'll tell this story. I did a play once with Al Pacino. Oh yeah. And um, I used to. Uh, I whistle a lot. And I love to whistle, and it's like, and and I whistle well, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and um, and Can I won't we get do a any, demonstration. I, no, I won't do any now. I'm not, I knew you'd say that. But I'm not going to do any now. But I tend to whistle a lot, and I and I used to whistle backstage. You're not supposed to whistle backstage. I'm not sure oh. what the roots of it are. I remember somebody telling me it's because a lot of the guys they would hire in the theaters in the 18th and 19th century were former sailors, and their sailing days was whistling to each other. To oh, like codes. signal things, yeah, oh. and that you know it would fuck the play up because you're out there and all these fucking sailors are back there <laughs> whistling to each other because they're that's doing awesome. I don't know if that I don't know if that's true, but that's one of the theories. But I so I did this play with Al Pacino, and he's incredibly superstitious Is about he really? the theater stuff. All of these crazy theater superstitions, really can't say Macbeth, can't say, and all this stuff. And 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 to counteract a lot of these things, you're supposed to come out of your dressing room, shut the door, turn around three times, knock on the door, and ask yourself in. That's really? what you have to do. So uh, I was constantly uh, walking around just whistling a jaunty tune, and I'd constantly hear, Oh, Paul, cut it out. What are you doing? And the door, bang, come out, and he would come running out, and he'd go, hey, spin around three times, knock on the door, go, come in. And then he'd let himself in. It was fucking hilarious. That's hilarious. The Al Pacino, just like, just, well, the door would open. Oh, what do you think? Just like, spin around three times, I got the door. It was, I drove him crazy because I whistled backstage all the time. That's it was very great. funny. Yeah, it was really funny, man. He couldn't, he couldn't deal with it. Well, that kind of thing, like in sports and in acting, the superstition, since the, the activity is so psychologically relevant, yeah. you have to be yeah, in yeah, a mode, yeah. Yeah. then the superstition gets your mind like into the zone so you yeah. can do the thing better. And that's True. kind of, you know what I mean? It's different. Yeah, you're right. Than, it's this very yeah. kind of delicate psychological thing. Yeah. Don't throw it off by talking about yeah. ghosts. Don't fucking distract me by walking around <laughs> whistling the fucking, fucking you know, idiot. some fucking <laughs> jingle from a fucking commercial. I'm like, stop. <laughs> oh, cut it out. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> ridiculous. But there was a there is a case like um, in when I was in Southeast Asia, you know, the color you've seen Buddhist monks wear that beautiful saffron orange mm-hmm. color, mm-hmm. and that that's the the sign of Theravada Buddhism. Like mm-hmm. only the monks can wear that, or the Buddha, and so you drape the Buddha in it. And there's very respectful of that color. Like mm-hmm. just like people are afraid of the black cat, this color oh, is like really important. So when during the Khmer Rouge period, when they were actually killing monks, they would make the monk take the robe off before they shot the monk. That's mm. horrifying. Oh, wow. That because you don't want to defile. Afraid. Yes. Wow, that's fucking crazy. It's insane. It's Jesus crazy. And if you Christ. want to save trees, you can tie this uh, really? saffron, saffron, saffron cord around the thing. And, and then the, the the you know the logging guys would be like, oh no, don't touch that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. And is why the why do we know why that color? And it, like, is it related actually to the spice or anything like that, which was so precious and thought I it was so know. precious and I stuff think, like that? Yeah, saffron? I think it's just it's too far in the past. I, I'm sure there's theories about why yeah. that color. Like in China, yellow is very important. Red is very important. That's interesting. All that stuff. Yeah. Like white is the color of death in Japan. Yeah. But it's but you know black and Western cultures. That's and fascinating. Stuff like that. It's super interesting. Anyway, that's a nice that's a nice question. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Jeremy. That was awesome. That was uh, awesome. Actually, yeah. I enjoy doing that because it's just keep them coming. Yeah, absolutely. Please, please keep doing it. Uh, please keep doing this. Bring up topics to talk about. It's really really fun. Uh, Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for sending. Thank you. Keep them coming and go to uh, YouTube and to Instagram and to Apple Podcast and send us uh, your letters and comments, please. All right. Very provocative questions. Chinwag out. Chinwag is a production of Tree Fort Media and Touchy Feely Films, hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Tree Fort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Our associate producer is Andrew Miller. Original theme music by Luke Topp with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Treefort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Audio production, supervision, and editing by Maxwell Carney. Additional audio assistance and mixing by Jeff Neal with additional production management from Renee Levesque. Clara Wong is Celestial Empress of Benevolent Knowledge. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. Chinwag.